The podcast you're about to hear is a talk I gave to parents at a middle school, high school uh, here in Lafayette, Colorado. This talk in particular, I'm very fond of. It's about kids and personal management, about teaching kids uh, personal management skills. I want to say from the beginning, and you'll hear me repeat throughout all of my talks, that it's hard to teach a child anything without actually modeling it yourself. And I want parents to think back to any lecture, any 15-minute talking to they got from their parents way back in the day. Did it change your life? Did it, did it create uh, a scenario for uh, regarding a different way of looking at the world? Probably not. What we learn from our parents is what they do and what they don't do. And we make our decisions as adults based on what our parents did or what they didn't do. So as you listen to all the skills and tricks and techniques about teaching your kids personal management, you have to take a look at your own life and decide if you're actually managing your life. I believe that if you don't create your day, your day creates you. We can live in reaction to what the world is throwing at us, or we can start the day with a plan, a focus, and we can keep ourselves aligned to that plan and focus as long as we've written it down and can return to it. So this is the talk I gave parents at a school. Uh, I'll have a few talks posted in podcasts just like this. Uh, Sorry about the sound quality of a brand new mic. I had it too close to my mouth, but uh, didn't have time to test it. So it's a, a little crunchy at times, but hang in there with it. My name's Aaron Huey. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. Honestly, I was just working my way up to death. I thought about killing myself every day. I was using all the time, and I, that's not a sustainable lifestyle. My brother shot himself because of drugs. When you are using technology to lure children for sexual purposes, there's a couple of problems that concern me. But I remember feeling kind of relieved after hurting myself. Do you have any idea how much you were worth? I like to say it this way. Great people are really built in the furnace of affliction. Our teens are navigating a world of information anarchy and increased stress and pressure. Drugs are glorified more than ever before and there seems to be a suicide option that didn't exist prior. As adults, we are responsible to provide the help at-risk teens need. Have teens changed or is it just the world they live in that's different? Is this why so many teens are traumatized or triggered? My name is Aaron Huey, and in 2009, I opened a home for these teens with the hopes of giving them a second chance at creating the life we all know they deserve. Now I want to give parents the information that contributed to our success and to support them in navigating the at-risk world. These are the stories told by the teens and the techniques used by experts to help them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. All right. Um... Thank you for doing this one. Uh, Kids and personal management is actually something I'm really passionate about. I have seen the kids who struggle the most, not only with life, the universe, and anything, but their own self-concept and how life has just utterly gotten away from them. They're years behind in school. Um, I've watched them embrace this concept. I wanna start by saying, Uh, this is how I put my life back together after 14 years of drug abuse. I began when I was 12. I was sexually assaulted in college and that drove me dark into drugs. 
um, where I gave the world the middle finger and retreated into nothing but and became a dealer and a grower um, was uh, I wanted to become a police officer. Isn't that the insanity of all of this? Is that, is that that made sense to me, that I could do what I was doing with life and I still wanted to be a cop. And I was two weeks before my test for Denver and uh, I got busted. And so I fled to the mountains up in Ward, if any of you know Ward, call it, yeah. Pretty much I could just end that conversation right there. You understand. Um, but if you ever drove an up and down Ward, the, the septic tank that says, please drive 35 on it, that was my house, that little house right there. Um, so the day I got sober was the day I started keeping a day timer. Before that, I don't really know what happened in my life other than I was a deeply wounded, uh, no self-worth, no self-esteem, no self-concept child. And after that, I track everything, obsessively. Um, there are days that I miss it. There are days that things are backwards. There are days where I'm off talking and my schedule goes off and those days turn into a week and then the next thing you know I pull up an old to-do list and I get back on track again and I'm in one of those moments right now having just got back from 22 days gone but watching kids manage everything that has been one of the coolest things to take the, the, the population that I work with and say we're not going to manage it for you on day one of coming into our program, we say, we're not going to manage it for you. This is all on you. Your phase moves, your homework, because we're a high school and a middle school as well. We don't have people walking around and say, did you do, did you do that? How far in your phase work? Did you get that project done? Do you need to DX? We have to, that's not us. We do not tell the kids what time to wake up. Breakfast is at 7.30. That's what we tell them, because that's how the real world works. Your boss tells you, what time you're going to show up, or you decide what time you're going to show up. What time you get up is up to you. That's how we prepare. There's a difference, and you're still in the phase, so I'm, I'm, I'm front-loading because things are good between us now. So I'm front-loading right now. This is where you're going to start practicing preparing your child. Because there's a difference when they're children, we protect them from the real world. Now we gotta to start to prepare them. You're in the place in middle school and little kids, this is where you get to play with it. This is where doing a daytimer is a fun thing. Does, does that like even sound right going together in the same sentence, a daytimer is a fun thing? For me it is. My daytimer that I created will be published on November 15th. That's how much I love this stuff. I've never found one that works for me. until So I built one and I sell it all over the world. This is where you start. Because trying to start when you're coming clean off drugs and have to do something with your life or you just don't know if you're going to make it through the next year is the worst time to do it. I did it out of desperation and survival. Do it now and frame it as fun. And I want to offer a few different ways to do it. So we have to understand, again, out of the gate, Child psychology, personal child development. That part of the brain, the management skill part of the brain is here in the prefrontal cortex. They're not there yet. They have it, it's not, it's, it's not developed yet. It doesn't develop till much later. I was 28 when I got sober. It's about when it starts to develop. 
So a child who can personally manage earlier than that is ahead of the game. And that's my goal with you guys, is that we teach them how to manage themselves so that they're ahead of the game. So we're not going to have big expectations of these kids to suddenly be keeping these magnificent daytimers that are all color-coded and you know how many half-hour segments they've been spending on their different projects during the day. That won't be it. What it will be is they'll go, oh, I was supposed to blah 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 and you'll go, oh, no. Yeah. And that's it. And then your next words will be, what's your plan? And that's our first one here, so say it out loud. What's your plan? That's what we say to our kids. What's your plan? I have homework this week. Oh, no, what's your plan? Because the moment we get lawnmower, you guys know what lawnmower parenting is? All right, it's where we get out there and clear the path in front of them so they have no bumps. Well, let's call it snowplow parenting. Let's clear the road for them so it's easy street. It's not the world. Practice now. Practice now when the consequences aren't so devastating. It won't follow them forever. Do it now. Drill sergeant parenting, this is what you're going to do, and you're going to do it my way, and this is how it's going to work. This is how the world works, and you need to get through your head. And then we have helicopter parenting. Oh, did you do that? Okay, did you do that? Okay, well, let's go do that. And then, well, did you do that? Okay, we'll do this. All three of those give the child one message. I don't trust you to handle your life. And that's a terrible message. Self-concept comes from how we handle life. It comes from what we do. It comes from the reaction, the response, the result of what we do. So understand that as we begin to teach self-personal management skills to children, they're going to mess it up. Fail fast, fail hard, fail forward, fail immediately. That's what we want because these failures don't matter. These are the best kind of failures. These are teaching failures not suffering failures. So expect the mistakes, and expecting perfection is a setup for failure. Expecting perfection is a setup for failure. That's what expecting perfection from a child does. And the most successful teenagers I see are ones who track and plan. When we see teenagers who really got it going and they, they started this company and they wrote this little book and it sold 12 copies on Amazon and everybody's really excited about it and they're president of this and she's head of that and she got in there. They've, they've been doing some management, some personal management. So we teach these daytimer skills. I teach these daytimer skills to entrepreneurs because we all as adults know the cardinal rule. So see if, without me writing it down, see, see if we can all figure it out. Here's the cardinal rule of adulthood. If it's not written down, never happened, didn't exist. It's not gonna happen. I don't do anything without writing it down. My memory is so shot. And it's not from using electronics. <laughs> We have to create the day or the day creates us. We live in response to what's happening in our day or we've planned our day. Now, for anybody who's served in the military or who has practiced martial arts or has been in a sport, you know the cardinal rule about a plan. Planning is everything. The plan is meaningless. 
Because the moment that first punch is thrown, the first bullet is fired, or the first ball or puck is served, the plan changes. But at least we have a foundation from which our day can be created. My rule is up at 5, coffee finished by 5.30, gym, daytimer. Then I start working. I get my body, my body needs taken care of first, and then I plan my day. So obviously, for our child, the benefits In marketing, in marketing, this is where we sell the transformation. Here are the benefits of personal management. We're going to all like this first one. Be honest, how many of you are going through this already? Okay. In middle school, my wife and I traded homework arguments for peace in our house. And we looked at our kids and said, we're never going to ask you about your homework. You may always, anytime, anywhere, ask us for help. You may ask us for support. And we will give you help or get you the help. But we are not going to ask you about, our, about your homework. And the kids were like, well, OK. And their grades went <laughs> We had to be uncomfortable through the learning curve. But then they started planning. Oh, and all those times my son would be upstairs playing that video game. I told you, he managed himself well with those video games. But he did obsess with them for about a month and a half when he got a new one. And he would be upstairs playing. And we heard him at dinner say he had a big test tomorrow. And he would be upstairs, and we're downstairs going, oh, oh, oh. And we went to bed. And the next morning, guess what he was doing at the breakfast table? He was studying. And he passed some and he failed some. He said, I failed my test. You know what we said? Oh, no. What's your plan? And he would have a plan. And our homework fights were done. What if they don't care about their grades? Do you have consequences? Do you suggest consequences for their grades? So this is where the behavior contracts come into play. Because if, if we, we have to teach the kids we love them for who they are, not what they do. So good grades cannot be in and of itself a reason why we are happy as parents. Because we know the truth is that we can always go back to school. We can always go back to school. We can be very successful. I went to acting school. I didn't do a lick of homework. I've spent the rest of my life on stage traveling all over the place. I own multiple properties. I have a very successful business. I you saw how I was trying to spell immediate. Like, it's, it's really a bad scene at times. So we can always go back to school. I'm starting sc a year of marketing school starting uh, in November. So we can always go back. But as a parent, you don't have to provide all the wonderful benefits in life to someone who's not pulling their weight. I'm willing to provide uh, uh, hot meals and a warm bed and a cozy place to, to, to be and be around family to people who either have a full-time job or are going to school. You get to pick, kiddo. I'm good either way. But make sure you're good either way. Because if you're not, make sure it's not about you and it truly is about them. Really check in with your fear that they might be a failure if they don't get a good education. Because I didn't get a good education. I'm not a failure. And I know that good educations can really provide good opportunities, so you have to check in on that part. But if we vacate the space we want them to employ, and that's the next thing. Nature abhors a vacuum. That's physics. 
Physics is also tells us that two things cannot occupy the same space. So if we care, and all we do is focus on their, and all their homework, and we're online every day checking their grades and their progress, they don't have to. So let's say they go out and their grades start to go down, and then you get to talk to school. What's your plan? Well, I just don't care. Well, I get that. So here's what I'm willing to do. And you stop talking about what they should and shouldn't do and what you're willing and not willing to do. So this is where consequences and reward starts to come up. I'm willing to buy a car for a kid who demonstrates responsibility. I'm willing to pay for insurance for a kid who demonstrates responsibility. To me, responsibility can look like, well, I don't know, having a job, part-time or full that you keep for longer than six months. Uh, what else could be good responsibility? Oh, I don't know, what about season up? I was thinking A's, could we meet in the middle? And now look, we're negotiating with them and we're teaching them negotiation skills. Okay, so just begin the conversation with them when you're in a good space and not terrified that your kid's gonna starve in the street because we don't do our best parenting there. All right, um, we learn, this is what we learn. One of the biggest frustrations I see that teens have is that they know where their life is and they know where their life wants, to, what they want it to be, right? They want it to be jets and cars and hose and whatever else those songs are telling them they should have. You know, one of the funniest things about social media that I have ever seen is that there's this rapper, Lil Bow Wow, and he posted this picture. He's like on my way to New York. And he posted this picture of this private jet and a Bentley sitting next to it. And he put that up on Pinterest, right? And he's like on my way to New York, peeps, yo. And while he was putting that picture on Pinterest, a guy took a picture of him putting that picture on Pinterest in coach. He was posting that in coach. That's what I mean about the reality of tech. Show your kids what's really going on in this world, okay? But we understand, and what we need to teach our kids is that goal setting is a series of steps. It's not just you want it, you get it. That's what little kids experience. That's the magic of life, right? But as we're older, we, we have to break things down into steps. And when we manage our time, our day, our experience, our money, we start to see the steps. And our successes become more like how video games are designed. They become more like little successes. You don't start the game and win against the big boss. The big boss comes in and kicks your butt, and then you've got to go through 26 levels to get back to the big boss and fight that box. But all along that way, you've gone through steps and growth. That's why video games are so addictive, is because they're set up just how goal setting works. Doing this also frees your mind. We've talked about that one, I won't belabor that. And then um, this is, This is something that is very difficult for adults to remember that kids don't have the ability to do, is see the week. They cannot break the week up into chunks like we can. That's the prefrontal cortex. That's also a part of the brain that trauma damages. That's why that if you, if, if someone uh, uh, hurts you and they were wearing a, a red shirt and khaki pants, and then you walk into Target, your brain goes, whoa, we're in danger is because the part of your brain that creates a timeline has been damaged. Kids don't have that part of the brain yet either. 
They can't say that was long ago and this is the up and coming week and the week is broken into this many days and Thursday is this many. They're just learning the names of the days of the week. So this helps them start to see their week. So here's the rules around personal management. Here's where we start this process with our kids. We start with chore management. Here's my take and my offer on chores. This is one of the things you can take or leave. Kids don't get paid for chores. Kids don't get paid for chores. I don't get paid for chores. And I'm the chore guy at the house. The laundry, the vacuuming, cleaning the dishes, the, the house cleaning, the house maintenance and care, that's mine. My wife cooks and she's the CEO of our company, so she is busy all day and into the evening. I work out of the house, I'm doing our marketing, I'm traveling around talking, but when I'm there, that laundry is going. I don't get cookies for that. I don't do my wife's laundry. I don't, I don't do, I don't help my wife with the chores. I do chores. Kiddo's not helping dad with chores. Kid's doing chores, just like dad. And everybody does chores. Above and beyond behavior can be rewarded financially, but teach the kid how to come and ask for that. Don't just offer it up. And I believe that chores and allowance must be very separate. And when we get to allowance, I hope to throw a real curveball at you. But chore management, putting these chores up on a, on a, a board, putting them on the mirror, and we'll talk about the, 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 uh, the mirror boxes in a minute. Letting the kid know, here are your chores, and when chores aren't completed, here are the consequences. When chores are completed, here are the rewards. Free time, extra video game time, um, whatever you and your parenting partners come up with. And even ask the kid, what would be a good reward for having chores done? Because as adults, we can say, a reward is having a clean room. And the kid's like, Bleh! like that's the worst reward you could say. For us, that's the reward. That's not their reward. What would be a good reward for you within reason? A new Xbox, not going to happen. So, like I said, money can be earned for above and beyond behaviors, not for chores. I think that sends the wrong message. So, chores management. Now, we've got the board slash the fridge. There needs to become an information center in your home where this type of stuff is posted and tracked and everybody checks in there. In my family, it was the latest technology. Check this out. We had a refrigerator with a tape recorder in it. And I would get home and I could see there's a little red slidey thing that said messages and I hit play and my mom would give me my list of instructions. And those were my chores. So where's your information center that everybody checks into? Mom chores, dad chores, kid chores. Okay, post it on the fridge, post it on a board, plain sight. The sticky note mirror Yes, because this is in their bathroom. Okay? This is where we start to teach them how to do a to-do list. The sticky note mirror. We have taken tape and we have divided, let's say this is my big mirror, and we have divided the mirror 
up into two boxes. So kiddo can still see himself there brushing his teeth. But up above, I got to do and I got done. And I got sticky notes in my to do. And we get to say really awesome things like this. Dear little beautiful, perfect child of mine, the internet password will be provided once three to-do sticky notes have been moved to done. Love, Dad. And now you've set the context for the day. They come home from school, clean out the cat boxes, uh, pull some weeds in the garden, wipe down the toilet. Age appropriate, simple, three sticky notes go over, then they can call you or then they text you and we say send pictures, right? Send pictures. And you see it, you see the weeds they've pulled. And they get to move this tangible physical process. Hey, what sticky notes do you need to put on the mirror for this weekend? Now we're getting them involved in it. And we're sharing power and we're sharing choices. This works with the older kids too. All of our kids at the facility still do it. They're in high school. And our therapists also walk in and stick on their, their to-do sides. Be awesome. Be amazing. You're perfect just the way you are. Move, move me to done. Obviously, we start to get the, get the kid around the lists. A Saturday list, a Sunday list. And what fun it is to cross those things off the list, and we do it together. The littler they are, the more like play we make it. The older they are, the more expectations we have that it's just something you do. Why? Because it's something that you do. It's something that you'll always do, kiddo. This part's part of life. More of the rules. This one's a tough one. So take a nice deep breath. Right now, everybody breathe in. And now breathe out. Okay. I mean, this one's really tough. So hang in there. I'm going to write it. You're going to say that'll never happen. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. Turn and tell a stranger. Tell them, don't remind. This is the worst thing. This is what we do as parents, and we undermine everything we are trying to build the moment we start reminding. Don't remind them. Reminding them is your addiction. And you, <laughs> and you will pass that addiction on to your child. You will pass it right on to them. Because they, two things cannot occupy the same space. If they come home and they say, I have to get on and do homework. We say, how many of your things did you get over? Well, I didn't have a chance to. Oh, bummer, what's your plan? Well, I really needed to do homework. So, you know what you gotta do, kiddo? I love you. And if it makes you uncomfortable, you're probably on the right track. That's the hardest thing, discomfort. What happened to being uncomfortable? Let them be uncomfortable. You be uncomfortable. If they're suffering, they'll learn from it. We have a saying, if it don't hurt, it don't matter. Say it. If it doesn't hurt, it doesn't matter. If the consequence doesn't hurt, if, the, if, if you remind them to hope to... to there's, a, there's a wonderful, wonderful picture that a private school put up 
on the wall. And I, and I, I keep it for our parents' weekend, which is coming up next week. And we show it to them. It says, if you are here as a boys' school, if you are here to bring your son's lunch, musical instruments, or homework, turn around and leave the premises immediately. Your son will learn how to problem solve on their own. And that's what's at stake every time you remind you steal from them. So stop reminding. It's hard, I know. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so I have four kids and they are Yes. Great. <laughs> the other kids. I just wonder for some people, it may not, I mean, when they're asking, you know, what if the reward doesn't work? What if they don't care? Then it's time to have a conversation with that individual child when things are going good. Hey, it's looking like the reward's not working and the consequences aren't working. And as an angry parent, I just want to give you big consequences. But I love you too much to argue or just give consequences because I'm angry. And I'm wanting to find the rewards that really matter to you because that tells me a lot about you. So let's have a new conversation about this agreement. Right, and would you say that then also the consistency of the parents enforcing? Yes. Not, you're, you're jumping ahead to one of the most... You know, you know all of it. Yeah. It's, it's going to be the modeling because everybody plays along with this. Even the, even the kids who are doing this real well, everybody plays along with. And because my wife and I played along with this, both my kids use day timers and manage their lives. And, and that's the reward of it, is that when things fall through, the and they still fall through, the, I still today, the podcast I have tomorrow, I thought it was today, I arranged my whole morning, and I'm like, no, it's still going to happen, right? But this is, we're just training it. So even the kid who's doing it well, Sticky notes on the mirror, okay? And the kids who the reward consequences, when things are going good, have the conversation then, okay? Here's the other piece. Now, obviously, this is a big love and logic one. I am a love and logic instructor. I, I was a love and logic parents, and our facility is a love and logic facility. This one is one of the most potent tools of personal management that you can ever teach your child, is give the problem back. They're going to have a problem, little ones, big ones. My bike has a flat tire. Oh, no, what's your plan? They may not have any idea what to do. Well, what do you think are some good ideas? I don't know what to do. I wonder who does. Do you think there's anywhere where we could find someone who's changing a tire? Where could we find that? Oh, I have an idea that I've seen other people do. Do you want to hear it? Because that's the thing about giving the problem back. You can only come in for the rescue when it's life or limb, or you've offered a solution, or you've offered that you might have an idea for a solution, and they ask for it. Oh, I know a place where we could find some information. Would you like to hear about it? No, I'll figure it out. They're never going to say that. They're always going to say, yeah, let's go to YouTube. Oh. Give the problem back. The big ones, the little ones. And for the kids that I work with, when I say that to the parents, first thing they're thinking is the court fees. Who's paying the court fees? I said, I don't know. Did you ask your kid? Who's paying this? Who's paying for this lawyer? Who's paying for this ride? Who's paying for this fee? 
So do it now while the problems are still tiny and small. My toy broke. Oh no, what's your plan? I forgot my homework at home. Oh no, what's your plan? Well, can you bring it to me? Oh, kiddo, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What's your plan? Make them think. Get that part developing, okay? Uh, when, uh, when we only give them advice when we've asked them if they want our advice and they have said yes, and we like to say things like, well, some things I've seen kids have some success with is never, well, what you need to do is, well, what you should do is, we call that taking a big should on your kids. Don't should on your kids. Tell them, I've seen some other kids have some success with, and sometimes that'll work, and sometimes that's a little hard. What other ideas do you have? Well, what if I talk to the teacher? That's an idea. I'm curious to see how that would work out. Okay. There are very simple day timers. Get your kid one. Get your kid a day timer. But before you do that, you know what I'm going to say next? Get yourself one. Because expecting your kid to use a day timer while you don't use one, you can't, you can't have those kinds of expectations. You gotta model it. You gotta model tracking your day. You gotta model creating your life. Telling them how to create their life and then you live in a state of reaction, that doesn't work. Because they will return to your value system. The day timer is something you do every day. Get up in the morning, you sit down at breakfast, write down the five things you know you have to do today and the three things you could do once those are done. Keep it simple. What are some fun things we could do this weekend? Let's go to our weekend pages. Practice it, feel it out. As I get more developed with my daytimer, I do have a kid's daytimer in development and there'll be videos and stuff, but right now, just getting a, 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 a one page per day or a two page per day or a, you know, a, just something that has a list where they can write down what they're doing that day and get to cross it off when they're done. And if they didn't get it done, move it to the next day and let them see how things pack up if we get distracted and procrastinate. The consequences. There is no consequence. There is no greater teacher than a consequence. We said it, if it don't hurt, it don't matter. So don't be afraid of the consequences for your kid. If you know that a consequence is coming, front load it with the teacher. Hey, I'm doing some uh, personal planning stuff and I'm seeing a, a trip and fall coming up here. I just wanna let you know. I wouldn't expect it. Maybe it'll surprise us both, but just letting you know I see it and I'm not gonna intervene. That way the teacher knows that you know you are paying attention to your kid and you're trying to teach and now you've got a teammate with the teacher. If the counselor calls you and say, we're seeing some stuff, say, well, we, just, just, we did just tell them that we're not gonna be uh, talking to them about their homework anymore, so we're expecting a little dip, should have called you. You gotta build your team. Build your team, especially when you start doing stuff like this. Make sure people know that you're shifting. We call this the left hook on the kids. When you walk in, this is called damaging admission, this left hook. You sit down with your kid and you go, I've realized something. I've totally been messing you up. I've been reminding you. I drive you crazy with reminders, don't I? I mean, you hate it when I remind you. I remind you, you go, Mom, we knew. 
Dad, you told me that already. I get it. I, I wasn't listening to you. Now I'm listening. So I'm not going to remind you anymore. Free up all this space and tension between us. I'm not going to remind you about your homework. If you need help, kiddo, all you got to do is come ask. And then tell the teacher that you've done this. And then watch that kid fail. Fail fast, fail hard, fail forward. Encourage the failure. Encourage it now when it's not going to hurt them. When they're going to learn from it. When they come back and they go, oh, I failed my math test. And you go, oh, no, what's your plan? Well, I already talked to the teacher and she said I could retake it on Thursday. And you're like, I don't have to lose any sleep. They did. They're the ones who are supposed to lose sleep, not you. They should be more tired than you at the end of the day. Okay, so the compartmentalization skills. This word is way too long for me to assume I spelled it right. Compartmentalization. This is one of the masculine brain skills that uh, drives the feminine brain crazy. Is that the, the masculine brain can compartmentalize everything. Put it in a box and put it over here. It's actually a gift when we disconnect things from each other. That all things are not connected. I know they are. I know that the feminine brain is like, he's lying. I am lying. But, but the, the ability to say, okay, that's happening right now in math class, but that's not all of life. That's math class. Let's come back over here and talk about life now. Math class is over there. I know it's causing you so much stress, girl. I get it. I get it. We'll deal with that in a second. Without math, how are you doing? Because if we can't compartmentalize the day, the item, separating our physical health from our emotional health so that we know that even if we're feeling stressed out and depressed, going to exercise anyway is a really good habit, that those two things can be separate. I don't feel like exercising. Nobody does. Get out and do it. And it creates the change. That's the compartmentalization gift to be able to separate things so that everything is not so completely uh, uh, weighing on each other. All the conversation that I have about the contracts, these teach personal management skills. When they know the consequences up front, they know the rewards up front, now we can talk about they're making good choices, they're making bad choices. When a kid's in crisis, we can't say things like, they just make bad choices, they choose bad friends. No, they don't. Those friends are fulfilling a need. It's the best choice they could make. They have an unfulfilled need in their psyche. Those friends fulfill it. Here's, here's a perfect example. It, kids have been seeing signs in their elementary school, middle school, and high school since, since they were teeny tiny and say, don't smoke. It's bad for you. Here's a list of 40 million bad things that happen when you smoke. We ask the kids once they're in high school, why'd you start smoking? Well, you know, like I get a break from my life. I mean, to hang out with my friends, I go outside. Like you could go on a hike. Like you get all those things. But do you hear what I said? I get a break. I go outside. I'm with my friends. Those are great things. All three of those things fulfill a need. So why are they doing the bad choice with it? Why are they, why have they confused toxic and nourishing? Because that's what the brain does when a need is not being fulfilled. That's why behavior contracts. Do behavior contracts, do them for anything. The room clean contract. A clean room each week means this. A dirty room means this. Here's the contract, here's the rewards, here's the consequences. We're all signing it. Mom and dad's room's gonna be clean now too. Cause we're gonna model it. 
Now they know they can look at something, they can project ahead to what's going to happen if they don't. That's personal management. And it's in plain sight. It's not some abstract idea that's based on your emotional response to their dirty room, their bike left in the front yard, the fact that they didn't mow when they said they were going to. This is where we get into the, uh, the concept of, and you're going to hate this word. I do too. But it, but it actually has some merit to it. Emotionless parenting. We have emotions. That's not what I'm talking about. We just don't parent with them. When we're happy, we express happiness. When we're angry, we express anger. When we're sad, we express fear and, and, and sadness. But we don't parent with that. We parent from our prefrontal cortex, which means we've taken time. We've created a gap between how we feel and what we do. That's how we teach our children to do it. But if we need your, give me that phone, you're private, I'm so angry at you, you make me so pissed off, and then we march out of the room, they're not focused on what they did, they're focused on how angry you are. That's not what we want their focus. That's not personal management. That's defense mechanism against your energy. I think personal management skills and life skills can be taught with allowance. I think there's a big deal here with allowance that can make some big changes in your kid. Now, this could easily merit a bigger conversation. In fact, I will do a podcast just about this. But I believe that you should give a kid a, your, the, an allowance, and that allowance should be set into six places. And there's a percentage of the allowance that should be set there. Number one is necessities. Necessities will be 70% of the allowance. So I'll let you do the math, but let's say you give 10 bucks to a kid for an allowance. Well, a five-year-old kid. Give it, give it to him in ones and, and quarters. Because $7 is going to go to necessities. What are necessities? They're bills. And we're going to make this fun for the little kids. We're going to make it real for the middle school and very real for the high school. I saw another great note that a mom wrote to a kid, and, that, and uh, she said, uh, Dear Aaron, his name was Aaron, Dear Aaron, since you think that now you're 13 years old and all grown up, it makes sense to me that you should start doing some more grown up things, like paying bills. Below is a breakdown of costs that you will be required to facilitate on your own beginning the first of next month. Rent is $340. And she went down a list, phone, electricity, water. And she broke down a portion of all the bills that she had to pay and shared them with her son. And then she said, P.S., if you would rather go back to being my kid again, I'm willing to discuss it with some caveats. Love, mom. So let's teach the kids at a very young age that when you get paid, doesn't all belong to you. Can't take taxes from them yet. They get to learn that one in high school. My most favorite thing to teach a kid. We do budgeting in our life skills class. And they go through and they realize they don't have enough money for everything, so they have to go back to the budget. Okay, I won't have a dog. All right, I'm not going to get a car. I'm just going to ride a bike. I guess I won't go to the gym because if I ride my bike. And they really make some really good decisions. And then they make that budget. And I go, oh, man, I forgot to take out your taxes. And they're like, well, how much is tax? I'm at 28%. They're like, well, I can't afford everything. And I said, I know. What's your plan? And we base that whole experience on having a, a full-time job at a fast food restaurant. So you can imagine what the plans are. So let's start to tell them what, the, what their necessities are. 
Well, if, if this dog is part theirs, maybe they should be responsible for a little bit of the dog food. So we sit down and give them their $10 allowance and then take back seven for a list of things. And they know this at the beginning. This is not something we surprise them with. Here's your allowance and yoink, that won't work. <laughs> We've said, hey, we're going to start giving you allowance, but you're going to start having some adult responsibilities. You'll have money left over to play with, just like mom and dad do when they get their paycheck. Surprise, surprise. Okay? So necessities are some bills that your child has. For example, a really good necessity bill is a room cleaning fee that they could keep if they clean their room. Or they could pay mom $350 to do it. These are our little kids. The next one is our financial freedom. This one is a 5%. This is the money that we're going to put in a piggy bank so that your kid can start investing in things. So we can teach them about how investment works, how real estate investment works, how stock market works. And you can create a little microeconomy in your own home. Remember, this is all to teach the personal management skills. The younger they're doing this, the faster they're going to learn. Next one is education. It's a 5%. This is where we take the money to do fun classes that teach us things. Now, this means that if they want to uh, 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 do climbing or go do parkour at the gym, well, that's not necessarily uh, something you have to take out of the fun account. That could be an educational thing. And, and that's a good reward for them. You get to keep your fun money because you're learning something while you're doing this. I know you're having fun, but that's what education's supposed to be. We have our LTS, our long-term savings. I want to buy an Xbox. Well, I'm not going to be willing to buy a game system like that for kids, but you are welcome to save up for one yourself. And your long-term savings account has 10% in it. Now, these are jars that will be stacked on their windowsill or somewhere in their room so that every weekly allowance, they get to see the money go in and grow. The interest earned on this will probably be the same they're making at the bank anyway. So uh, keep them in the jars and let them see it. And the necessity money disappears. Play money is next. This is the money they get to spend on whatever they want. This is the most powerful personal management money jar they have. Because when they're in the store and they're in the compulsive buy aisle and they see that gum and they say, can I have a pack of gum? You say, what do you have in your play money? because that's their money to spend on whatever they want. They go to the movies, play money. You can take them. That's, that's not saying they don't go if they only spend, but if they want to go and you're not into it, they can use their play money. They want that toy that you don't want to buy, play money or LTS, because they got to save up for that. But if they don't have that play money, you know the answer, kiddo, because mom and dad have high interest rates. The last one, is the charity. And that charity account is where self-concept gets uh, developed. When your children donate to charities, something that's important to them, watch how that grows. Even if it's $5 that they take to the Humane Society, oh man, is that a potent moment. 
however you do the personal management skills, whether it's teaching them how to break down how they're going to afford the Xbox. Well, I'll mow lawns. Well, mowing lawns at 12 years old is not a bad idea. But there's a whole series of steps that are in the way of that. Break it down with them and ask them what their plan is. Where will you get the lawnmower? How will you afford the gas? How much do you think gas will cost? What happens if the lawnmower breaks? What would be your plan for that? How will you advertise? Just have it. And if they get frustrated, say, I'm just asking the questions. You're welcome to borrow the lawnmower for $5 a... Treat them the way the world's going to treat them. It, it, it's... It's a powerful, powerful experience for them to be prepared for the real world in, the, in your loving arms versus being surprised by it when they turn 16 and the Taco Bell manager is a jerk. Yes? Do you have guidelines for age ranges and amounts? Uh, I don't because, again, I believe that, that amounts and stuff are very personal to families. Um, and I would say if it makes you uncomfortable, you're probably on the right track and there's going to be too much. You know, little kids, I think $10 in, in, in now and how seven will suddenly disappear to bills will teach them a lot, especially if they can earn some of that seven back by doing some of mom's chores. Okay. Any other last questions? Okay. Make personal management a game. Yes. <laughs> Yes, a commodity for them. Versus taking that away. So I, I just wonder, is screen time, like, if it is a consequence, would that make it, like, really great in their eyes? Like, oh, screen time is so amazing, it's my reward, and it can be taken away. You know, it, oh. it can. And I think what happens where, where that gets out of hand is we can, you know, you have two extra hours of screen time versus another 10 minutes of screen time, right? It's a find it and again I, I screen time was just an example I came up with if that's not if that one you say I wouldn't want to do it don't do it I do and explore the consequences with your parenting partner and your kids you'll be amazed at what your kids can come up with for consequences but have that conversation when things are good what would be a good consequence for not having your room clean by Saturday what do you think all right, and just see what they say. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery, and responsibility, and also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to firemountainprograms.com, join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com.